We're doing things a little bit different this morning. We are going to be partaking of communion in just a moment together. We'll be receiving that together today, and I think it's timely. I think it's important. This last Wednesday, um, a lot of things took place in our nation. And I don't think anybody in this room or anybody watching online right now condone what happened at the Capitol in our nation. It's a sad day for our democracy. Pastor Matt last Sunday shared about Ephesians 4 about unity, and I find it interesting as we look at our prayer and fasting calendar that that was the word topic of prayer on Wednesday as well as unity. So I spent the latter half of this week just processing all that took place and what's been happening in our nation. And these are the thoughts that I had in my mind that I wrote down. Should I say something or not? Everyone else is saying something. You know, my pastor friends are posting things and saying things. And What's one more post or email, you know, in the midst of all the noise, then I had thoughts like, why even bother? You know, whatever um, I say, post or email could be misconstrued, it could be misused, criticized, or used and be weaponized against me and only add to the division. So instead of saying something in the moment, I felt like the Lord was telling me just to listen, to pray to reflect, and to lean in on Him. So this morning I want to share the things that God has put in my heart. It's not going to be like a four-point message or expository message where I'm going to follow Scripture, but I just want to share some things this morning. I've been saying this for a very long time, and many of you have been saying the same thing. This is a spiritual war. This isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. It's a spiritual war. There are good people and bad people on both sides of the spectrum. It's a fight between good and evil. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We learned as we journeyed through Ephesians 1 through 3 that we are seated with Christ above those things as believers in Jesus. That we have all authority and even the angels right now are engaged in this spiritual war at this very second. It is a spiritual war. It's not a political war. Democrats are not the enemy. Republicans, you're not the enemy. And I have this righteous anger rising in me, and my anger is not um, towards those with opposing ideas to mine. My anger is directed towards Satan this morning. Satan has waged war on America. Friends, you are not my enemy. The devil's fate has already been determined. Jesus crushed the serpent's head the day he rose from the dead. What we're seeing right now is the book of Revelation being played out on the big screen. 
And this week, the devil showed his cards. However, in the end, good will defeat evil once and for all. I love how 1 Peter 5.8 is written in the message translation. And I think this is a word for all of us this morning. It says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing more than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. So I want to pause from our Ephesians series this morning, and I want to share what's on my heart. I want to also review some of the things that Pastor Matt shared last week, some of his main points. Matt kicked off the second half of our Ephesians series in Ephesians chapter 4, and he talked about unity and how important unity in the body of Christ is right now. Remember him talking about redlining? Redlining, as he defined it, is like when, you know, that tension builds inside, you know, anger is rising up within you. It's like you are up above 2,000 RPMs, you're in the red line, you're up in the 6,000 mark, you know? The temperature gauge on your tachometer is, is um, registering that there is some intense things going on inside. It's a metaphorical expression for high anger, high tension. And Matt shared that Jesus had the opportunity many times to redline, but he didn't. He shared the scripture from Philippians 2, 7. And eight says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Then you pose the question, how do we achieve Christian unity? He said through humility. We posted on Facebook this week, on the church page, there is no weapon that humility can't overcome. Humility is defined in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Friends, Jesus left us with a mission. He said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. After his resurrection, Jesus came to his disciples and he gave an even a stronger directive to his disciples. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. He said that there was going to come one that was greater than him, 
the Spirit of God that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And he said, you shall receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And to accomplish the mission of the church that Jesus has given, the reason that he has given us his spirit, and to accomplish his mission, we must be united. Amen. Satan knows that, and that's yeah. why he hates unity. Amen. He hates unity in the family. Yeah. He hates unity in the church. He hates wherever unity exists. And he has one goal, and that's to divide us from each other in God. You've heard it said, a divided nation needs a united church. What we've learned so far in our study of Ephesians is that the church is not something we attend. The church isn't something we agree with. It's something we are. We make up the body of Christ. We are the joints and the ligaments that hold this thing together called the body. And Jesus is our head. We bring church home. We bring church to work. We bring church to the marketplace. We are the church wherever we go. We are the living representation of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world. Which means we bring the love, hope, and truth, truth of Christ everywhere. Friends, what our world needs right now is authentic, grace-filled, hope-bearing, truthful people. The Jesus we have in common must be more important than the politics that seek to divide us. The Jesus who made friends out of a tax collector, Matthew, and a zealot, Simon, can do the same out of a Republican and Democrat. Our Bible is written by people from diverse backgrounds, but together with the United Mission. Our primary allegiance isn't to a red elephant or a blue donkey, it's to a slain, slain lamb. And the compassion of Christ knows no party lines. I was directed to Joshua 5.13 and reminded of Joshua when he was um, had crossed into the promised land and he had his first obstacle before him, the walls of that fortified city, Jericho. Joshua 5.13 says that when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him, and he drew his sword in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. See, friends, Jesus is not under either party. He's the king over both parties. He's not for either side of the aisle. He's for the kingdom of God, and that's what we need to be for. Christian unity is a unity that extends beyond external appearances. Ephesians 4, 3 says, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And as Matt shared last Sunday from Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. May our hearts be captured by the humility of Jesus. 
May it show forth in our words that we speak to one another because there is death and life in the power of the tongue. Our tone, our demeanor, the way we act towards one another, even when we're not sitting face to face, but we're you know, sitting behind the computer posting things and sharing them on our timelines. May our demeanor and our tone be one of love and unity. Ask yourself, am I more concerned about the well-being of others or just trying to be right? Just trying to win an argument and get what I want and prefer. Because how many know that you can be right and you can still be wrong? You can be right and still be wrong. Humility can help us do some soul-searching and answering those kinds of questions. The truest fruit of humility, and the second thing I want to share with you about this morning is repentance. Politics and inherent goodness isn't the answer for our nation's problems. The answer is found in this verse, and I know that it's often quoted and it's almost been quoted so much that it sounds so cliche, and it's one of those things that we put on shirts and Christian chotskis and but it's 2 Chronicles 7.14, and it's still the answer for our nation today. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We're debating with one another, we're fighting each other on social media, but are we doing these things? Are we as Christ followers humbling ourselves, praying and seeking his face and turning from our wicked ways? It's our tendency and it's my tendency too sometimes to point my finger, our finger at others and say it's them. They're the problem. They're the ones who need to repent. That's not what the scripture says. It's if my people who are called by my name will. Third thing is grace. I find it interesting as we read through Ephesians 1 through 3, chapters 1 through 3. Grace was the topic that was repeated by the Apostle Paul over and over over. Grace upon grace. Grace is unmerited favor or undeserved kindness. Christianity has always been grounded in the radical teaching of Jesus to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Jesus makes it clear that peacemakers are blessed. Grace is the power that God uses to heal, restore, change, and bless. And as people were drawn to Jesus because of grace, so also may his followers be known by grace. Lastly, truth. And I chose to mention truth last for a reason. Too often we lead with truth. Just because you don't lead with truth doesn't mean that you have compromised truth. Truth matters greatly and it must be spoken. But it must be spoken in love. If we haven't earned the right to speak the truth, it won't be heard anyway. 
Truth spoken in rage and anger and hatred and arrogance and intolerance is rarely heard and hardly ever embraced. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that itself builds itself up in love. Paul is saying here that the purpose is for us to grow up in Christ. In other words, that we are to speak words that help others grow up in their faith in Christ. It's talking about encouraging, building up, helping others pursue Christ more passionately. Ask yourself, do my words or the things that I'm posting and the words that I'm speaking, are they building others up in Christ? Are they helping others to become more like Jesus? Second, when we speak the truth and love to one another, we protect one another from the schemes of Satan. There's protection when we speak the truth in love. We're building up and we're protecting the saints, the body. If we fail to speak the truth and hear it from others, we're vulnerable to be tossed to and fro, right? by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's what Ephesians 4.14 says. So it says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. They will know that you are Christians by your whole body of Christ is constantly to be speaking truth to each other, encouraging one another, to build each other up, to be helping each other pursue Jesus. That's what unity is. I feel like the Lord has dropped this memory in my heart. There's times that we would get together at Christmas or Thanksgiving, and we would, how many had like the big, you know, the big kids table, and then they had the kids table because, you know, grandma or mom or dad didn't have a table big enough for the whole family. We didn't get together for dinner that often, so it wasn't worth the investment to have this big monstrosity in the house to gather around. And I remember, you know, graduating and joining the big kid table. And just feeling like, I was sitting here with grandpa. He's at the head, aunts and uncles, and grandma's here, mom and dad. This is awesome, it's such a privilege, and just looking at my cousins who were younger, and like, ah, you know. <laughs> um, I realized it was really boring. But there were times at the table that weren't so pretty. You ever had a time at the family dinner table that wasn't so pretty, where there was you know, differences that were discussed, that maybe pressed on some buttons, and a few people began the red line and show it? I remember one time my dad and my his younger brother were going at it about something. I don't remember what it was. It was so long ago. And I remember my grandpa stood up and just pounded the table and said, I paid for this meal, so shut up and get along. 
When I think about us and the invitation to come to the table of communion this morning, and the way that we treat each other within the body of Christ right now and our differences, I feel like Father God, just shut up and get along. I paid for this meal. Jesus calls us to stay at the table. Jesus calls us to stay at the table. We want to get up, we want to leave the table, we want to storm out of the house. We want to fight for our right to be heard, understood. I paid for this meal. Can't you just get along? This doesn't mean that our differences go away doesn't mean that we don't hold our opinions, but what Christ is bigger in Christ than our differences and our opinions. And he can bring us together by the power of his spirit, because his mission still stands. A divided nation needs a united church. This isn't time to leave the table. This isn't time to fight with one another. This is a time to stay at the table and to say, despite our differences, we can get along because we have something in common, and that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. This isn't, are you with them, or are you with me? No, I'm for the kingdom of the Lord. It's time that we stop making Jesus the mascot for our party. Imagine if in the next few months in our church, or the church, love surged. Hope got fueled. You could disagree, but not be disagreeable. You focus on what united people and not on what divides people. In a divided culture, Christians should be the felt and the hope and not the hate. The church's mission isn't to fix the world, but to be the church, to stay at the table together. Have Pastor Matt come and lead us in a time of communion. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to join with us this morning. I want to believe that God would work in this room today. And just thinking about the week, um, football came to mind. And I could sit down and watch any game. And within moments, I, got, I know who I'm rooting for. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Just naturally go that direction. And then the Holy Spirit, I think, brought this verse to mind. Proverbs 18, 17, first to present his case seems right. Tell another who is Lord and questions him. Yep. I feel like that's kind of connected. And Lance's comment about how he wrestled with, should I say something? If so, what should I say? I told him, I said, I think there's strength in your silence. Um, that's not to condemn anyone who you like and respect that share an opinion. Or if you share an opinion, not at all in condemnation. I just think we can't go wrong to reflect. And if we're not crystal clear that it's going to unite the body around these, these things we studied last week, then let's just go to him. <laughs> let's just go to him and pray, because this is a spiritual battle. And the battle can be won or lost in the heavenlies, because it is won or lost in so as we 
prepare our hearts today. Um, I'm going to ask us to reflect. Um, you at home as well. We're doing communion. So I'm going to keep talking and give you some time to go grab some something you can use for communion. Start to reflect on where you found yourself this week. And maybe you're in a good place. Maybe you're able to say, Christ is on his throne. I'm pressing into him. But maybe this reminded you of when you picked a sign. Maybe there was something within your family, within your marriage, a meaningful friendship, another church in the city. I don't know what it is, but let's take this time before we partake to reflect. The, the, the power of humility, as we've talked about, just cannot be overstated. The power of repentance. Um, conversation this week, a couple conversations this week, it seems like it's everywhere. Is division not everywhere? <laughs> I blew into a store this week. I needed help, so I'm probably going to reveal the store just because I'm going to describe what I needed. Um, and I had Chloe with me, and we were trying to get our machine set up, and it couldn't be done completely over the phone. So they said, "Well, go to the store, and they can help you." So I went to the store, and got told a couple times my my base gear wasn't in the right spot, and then got told I had to uh, leave my machine there for 24 hours. And, and I said, I said, I am having a hard time understanding. You just told me that this never happens. This thing just came out of the box, and it's not working. And you're telling me this never happens. And yet you're treating me like everybody else. And now I'm sensing the red line, and I'm feeling the Holy Spirit saying, okay, brother, it's time to But at that point, I was already there. And Chloe was with me. The guy helped me, and I came back and looked at him, and I said, I'm sorry. I said, uh, I'm frustrated because this isn't going as smooth as it should have, but that's no excuse for me to share with you, you're doing your job. And I think he was so uncomfortable with the apology that he just started talking. Because I think these guys are so used to being told they're wrong, and that's part of why they're on guard right away. Um, and that's probably every restaurant owner, every, not everyone, but like many in the city. Like it's just like pressure's coming down. You're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, you're supposed to say this, you're supposed to say that. And so just in that one example, my prayers is Christ. I don't know if I'll see him again. My prayer is that little slice of humility. I mean, I was right. This thing shouldn't work this way. But I was wrong as well. You can be right and you can be wrong. But gosh, humility and repentance change it? If it can't, this is a lie. And we know it's not a lie. Can He can redeem anything. Can take any little red line in the store and redeem it. He can take a wasted life and flip it, thief on the cross, and 
still talk about things. The one guy said no. The one guy said, are you kidding me? You saw this man. You saw what he did. I'm with him. Jesus said, despite all you did, you're with me. So as you prepare your heart now, if Jesus is your Savior, I just ask you to search. Jesus is going to play a little bit, then I'll come back and we'll partake together. But let's just, if you want to stand, feel free to sit. We're at the table. We're at the table. Get that visual. All right. Hopefully you received a, a packet for communion. Read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you. The night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. After supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take the I'm going to sing that same song again. I'm going to pray before we do this. Let's think for a moment about what was happening when Jesus offered this. Life was crazy. He had created quite a stir in his ministry. With this group of people, he had their attention. And he said, focus on me. And then he served them. So as we sing this song again, you can play whatever you want. So once you play a portion of it, um, I want you to sing my king. My king, my king. Not just the king. He's my king. He's your king, Jesus. He's a personal king. He's over all. He's above all. He's worthy to be revered. But man, he's got time for you. All the time. Let's worship a little bit more with Judah and we'll come back and that we studied, that we know, that drew you in in the first place. It's worth it. From Ephesians chapter 3. 
20, it says, Now to him who is able, let's lift our hands, please. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We're here to pray a few minutes.